0: Welcome to this episode of Furniture Industry News. As we delve into today's latest stories, rest assured that the information shared here is curated especially for you, the furniture industry professionals. In this podcast, we're committed to keeping you informed about the evolving landscapes of furniture, retail, manufacturing, and design. Whether you're tuning in between client meetings or on your commute, we provide the insights you need to stay ahead of the curve. Join us as we explore the current trends that are shaping our industry's future. Stay with us. In a decisive move to ensure a smoother flow in the supply chain, the Federal Maritime Commission has introduced new regulations that will reshape the way ocean carriers and terminal operators handle container late fees. Beginning on May 26th, these entities will be bound to a freshly minted rule requiring demurrage and detention invoices to be issued within a 30-day window From the occurrence of the chargeable event. Designed to fortify the connection between timely cargo pickup or equipment return and their associated charges, these rules underscore the Commission's commitment to promoting efficiency within supply chain operations. The changes are not merely bureaucratic, but target clarity in billing, insisting that invoices present distinct information, including the date of invoice issuance, due dates, grace periods, and exact dates for which charges were accrued. Additionally, for imports, the availability date for containers will be mandatory on these invoices, and for exports, the carriers must indicate the earliest return date. What this means for shippers and those who find themselves billed is a newfound transparency allowing for a 30-day period in which they can challenge any charges they deem to be unfairly levied. On the part of carriers and terminal operators, There is an obligation to engage in good-faith efforts towards resolving these disputes within a similar time frame. Perhaps a critical component of this regulation is its clarification of exactly to whom these fees can be billed. Henceforth, only the entity that originally contracted with the billing party will be subjected to these fees, which is a significant shift from previous practices where trucking companies were often held accountable. This suite of invoicing and billing attire is far more than just a regulatory facelift. For businesses that rely on the fluidity of the ocean supply chain, these are well-targeted changes aimed at fostering an environment where disciplines of time and accountability might march in lockstep with trade demands. The industry now looks towards May with anticipation, hoping these alterations will indeed deliver on the promise of a smoother and more equitable supply chain landscape. Turning our attention now to the economic aspects affecting our industry, consumer confidence has taken a noticeable turn in February. After experiencing a climb over a three-month period, the tide has shifted, swaying towards a sense of uncertainty within the economic landscape. The Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index, a trusty barometer of economic sentiment, declined from a revised 110.9 in January to 106.7. This interruption of consumer confidence growth comes amidst ongoing apprehensions about the strength of the U.S. economy. Dana Peterson, chief economist at the conference board, attributes this decline to the pervasive uncertainty, making it clear that the unease is widespread across various income brackets, with the exception of the lowest and highest earners. Age demographics have also reacted differently, with confidence receding in groups under 35 and above 55 while those between 35 to 54 showcased a marginal improvement. A closer examination reveals that the present situation index, derived from the consumer's current perspective on business and labor market conditions, has also retreated, dropping to 147.2. What makes this even more concerning is the expectations index. This index, a projection of income, business, and labor market conditions over the next six months has slipped dangerously close to 79.8. Historically, when this index drops below 80, it's often a harbinger of an impending recession. From consumers' written responses to the survey, we gather a nuanced understanding. While overall inflation continues to be top of mind, there's a slight alleviation in concerns around food and gas prices thanks to their recent easing. However, This relief is counterbalanced by growing anxieties around the U.S. political climate and labor market conditions. In such a climate, perceptions of current business conditions and employment prospects have soured. And when looking forward to the next six months, consumers are showing renewed pessimism about business performance and the labor market, hinting at belt-tightening times ahead. Yet it's not all doom and gloom. The survey brings a sliver of optimism, with inflation expectations dropping to 5.2%, the lowest since March 2020. This trend mirrors the broader deceleration of consumer price inflation and could be signaling a period of adjustment where our industry, adept as it is, will need to navigate these economic currents with both caution and foresight. Macy's Incorporated, the iconic department store chain, is bracing for a contraction in sales this year, setting the stage for what CEO Tony Spring is calling an investment and transitional year. The retailer's leadership, undeterred by the recent sluggish financial outcomes, is looking ahead to 2025 with a plan that is equal parts bold and strategic. As part of this forward-looking strategy, Macy's has announced that over the next three years, it will close 150 of its underperforming stores. This is a significant move. Considering these stores account for approximately 25% of Macy's gross square footage, yet contribute to less than 10%, of its total sales. This decision marks a pivotal shift in the company's approach to its retail footprint, as profitability alone will no longer be the sole factor in keeping stores operational. Not all is about contraction, though. In a simultaneous push to enhance their retail experience, Macy's also plans to introduce new stores under the Bloomingdale's and Blue Mercury nameplates. The rollout includes 15 new Bloomingdale's locations, featuring their small-format Bloomies Concepts, and at least 30 Blue Mercury stores, indicating Macy's isn't merely retracting, but rather recalibrating its presence in the retail space. Spring has assured investors that these closures and openings are part of a larger agenda titled the Bold New Chapter Strategy. It revolves around enhancing the customer experience through better merchandising and increasing the number of associates in key departments. These initiatives are currently being tested in 50 pilot stores, suggesting that Macy's is taking a data-driven approach to this transformative period. Lastly, from a financial standpoint, Macy's is optimistic. The company concluded the last fiscal year with over $1 billion in cash and $1.3 billion of operating cash flow. Though Q4 saw a decline in sales and a $1 billion charge related to the restructuring plan, the clear message here is that Macy's is not simply weathering a storm, but is actively maneuvering towards a brighter, more profitable horizon. As the retail landscape continues to shift and adapt, a significant development has emerged from one of the country's most iconic department store chains. Macy's announcement to close 150 stores by 2026, including an initial batch of 50 this year, may resonate as somber news for the retailer's loyal patrons. However, this strategic move presents a silver lining for the furniture industry, keen on growth and expansion opportunities. With Macy's vacating significant retail spaces, some outside of city centers, experts in furniture retail real estate are eyeing these properties with considerable interest. According to Julius Feinblum, the president of a real estate firm specializing in furniture retail spaces, the pending store closures could potentially serve as partial or whole sites for furniture businesses seeking to expand their physical presence. This transition could indeed be a game changer. As these Macy's locations on the chopping block occupy considerable square footage and boast noteworthy visibility, they make attractive prospects for furniture retailers to step in and repurpose the spaces to their advantage. However, it's crucial to recognize the variable nature of these opportunities, given the ownership and leasing conditions of the respective properties, which could complicate the process. Nevertheless, with meticulous planning and strategic negotiation, skills honed over decades, the hurdles of navigating these acquisitions can be effectively managed. Diversified interest from various retail sectors, including clothing and home goods, speaks to the competitive potential of these spaces. Yet, it's the furniture retailers, nimble and adaptive, who may ultimately capitalize on these prime locations. As urban retail landscapes evolve, reflecting post-pandemic population shifts and the rise in remote working, downtown Macy's store locations might not hold the same allure they once did, the industry focus has pivoted towards regions with growing housing markets, where value-oriented homes create communities with spending power for home furnishings. In conclusion, while the shuttering of Macy's stores marks the end of an era for a retail giant, it signals the beginning of expansive opportunities in furniture retail. Whether these spaces will pave the way for new showroom experiences or innovative store concepts, one thing is certain. The furniture industry is poised to make a significant footprint where a legacy department store once stood. In the ever-competitive retail landscape, the home goods segment of TJX companies has emerged as a formidable force, declaring remarkable growth numbers that defy the broader industry trends. During the 14-week fourth quarter, the company not only sustained its upward trajectory but soared with a striking sales increase of 13%, amounting to $16.4 billion over the comparable 13-week quarter last year. More than just a quarterly spike, this growth reflects the company's consistent year-over-year ascension, seeing their net sales climb by 9% to an impressive $54.2 billion for the full 53-week year. The home goods segment, in particular, stands out as a shining example of the company's success, with its Q4 net sales rising by an astounding 16% and enjoying a 9% boost across the full year. Ernie Herman, the CEO at the helm of TJX, expressed his pride in the company's exceptional performance, lauding the team's outstanding execution of their business model. Exceeding $50 billion in annual sales marks a significant milestone for TJX, spotlighting the company's ability to attract more shoppers and, by extension, chipping away at market share from rivals. The surge in consumer traffic across TJX divisions indicates a growing customer base that's increasingly recognizing the value proposition home goods offers. Harriman credited the gains to a confluence of factors—higher merchandise margin, lower inventory shrink expense, attenuated freight costs, and a drop in markdowns while achieving better mark-on. On On the financial front, TJX companies closed the year with an enviable $1.4 billion in net income for the quarter— translating into diluted earnings per share of 1.22, up 37% from the prior year. The pre-tax profit margin for the quarter was logged at 11.2%, revealing an impressive 2% year-over-year increase. Simultaneously, for the full fiscal year, the margin stood at a robust 11%, a 1.7% uptick from the previous year. Looking ahead, TJX is poised for yet more success, with predictions of comparable store sales climbing by 2% to 3%, and an expected pre-tax profit margin hovering around 10.5% for the first quarter of 2025, the company's trajectory is steadfastly bullish. For the entirety of the fiscal year 2025, the forecast stays similarly optimistic, with predicted comparable store sales on the rise and pre-tax profit margins projected between 10.9% to 11%. In the broader retail universe— where turbulence has become somewhat customary, home goods performance is a beacon of retail prowess and strategic acumen, masterfully navigating the retail seas and carving a robust path forward for TJX companies. In the final quarter of fiscal year, 2023, the Aaron's Company Incorporated, which operates familiar brands like Aaron's and Brandsmart, faced a downward trend with net revenues dipping to $29.5 million marking a decrease of 10.2% in comparison with the prior year. This downturn reflects pressures in key product categories, with both lease revenues and retail sales experiencing a decline. The reported net loss for this period was $12.4 million, equating to $0. $0.41 cents per diluted share. Despite these figures, the Aaron's company took a firm stance to counteract the challenging climate. Initiatives to drive demand and reduce operational costs were introduced, including a strategic omnichannel lease decisioning and customer acquisition program. This program has already shown its worth, contributing to an uptick in e-commerce activity that's carried into the early stages of 2024. Furthermore, the Arons Company managed to outstrip its cost-saving objectives for 2023 and stated its ongoing commitment to further enhance efficiency across its operations. Their fiscal year end report offered a glimmer of positivity with a slight yearly profit of 2.8 million or 9 cents per diluted share, which showcases a rebound from the previous year's loss. Looking ahead into 2024, the guidance provided by the Aaron's company exhibits a cautious optimism, predicting revenues ranging from 2.055 billion to 2.155 billion. While acknowledging that the smaller lease portfolio initially will affect adjusted earnings, there exists an expectancy that their current strategies will foster lease portfolio growth. CEO Douglas Lindsay underscored the company's robust position to promote long-term, profitable growth thanks to recent business innovations and a solid financial foundation. The company's leadership and board remain actively engaged in steering the company towards a pathway that promises additional value for its shareholders leaving industry watchers anticipating what the next fiscal cycle will bring for the Aarons Company, Incorporated. Thank you for joining us on Furniture Industry News. We hope you've gained valuable insights and updates that will empower and enlighten your decisions in the furniture industry. Keep pace with the ever-evolving market landscape by following us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Your engagement is what keeps this show thriving, so we invite you to share this podcast with your colleagues and contribute to the wider conversation in the furniture community. Join us again for the next episode, where we'll continue to bring you the latest trends, news, and analysis. Until next time, keep innovating, keep inspiring, and keep driving our industry forward.